This episode of After the Show is brought to you by Odyssey. Odyssey are makers of headphones for gamers and audiophiles alike. You can check them out on www.audeze.com. That's www.audeze.com. You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello, listeners. Hello, everybody. Goodness, you're very lively. I'm trying to uh, amp up the proceedings. I you see. Got to be lively. Got to put on your best. Whatever. You know. <laughs> your best pair of radio voice togs. Got it. So, uh, what's your uh, what, what are you going to say to us? Uh, you mean the before the after the show discussion? Wasn't much about it. I was sitting here doing this, and you were over there doing that. Uh, what else was there? Um, <laughs> we were talking about the coronavirus Correct. lockdown. Yes. In you the have, UK. In, in the, the UK. You didn't investigate the US, but that's, that's... It's all confusing. Let's just... And everyone's sick of listening to it. They don't want to listen to it on here, so let's skip over that. And... What I'm doing is I like editing. how you decide for the whole world that we're. That this well, do, do you want to listen to it all the fucking time? No, I don't either. Yes, and I don't listen to podcasts where people talk about it. So I'm choosing. If you talk about it, I'm going to ignore you. Thanks. So I'm editing photos for a slideshow. Yeah, but what happens if I don't want to hear about that? Just ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's how it works. All right. All right. All right, then. So let's get on with proceedings. Correct. It's the weekend of Saturday, October the 17th, and this is After the Show 655. We're a movie review podcast, and we bring you a movie review every single week, apart from last week when we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's very consistent of us. And the reason is because I went to visit with my friends and to take some pictures of my friend's son, who is a senior in high school. Well, we are we are pretty consistent, to be honest. We are. We very rarely take a week off. So, I'm sorry, everybody, but we took a week off, and now we're back, I'm better not, than ever. I'm not sorry. You're not back. I'm not sorry. <laughs> All back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm here. Oh, okay. So the movie. That's we're a point, at, though. We wouldn't have to be together to do this. No, we could do it over the Skype. We could do it lots of ways. Yeah, or interesting. Over, the, over something, yeah. Well, actually, yes, because what you would do is you'd take your Zoom recorder with you and you'd record your end onto the Zoom recorder. Yeah, I could, for sure. Not Zoom. Tazcam. Taz, yeah, one of those things. One yeah. Of those little, yeah Did, little people power. don't care about this either, by the way. No, but I, I was <laughs> working it out in my head how we would do it. And that's yeah. how we'd do it. And nobody would know, probably, because it'd sound good. But we'd tell them, so we then would. they'd know. All right, anyway, let's get on to the movie. The movie this week is Love and Monsters. It's a 2020 release. It actually releases on this day, the Friday the 16th of October on Video On Demand. You can pick it up on Vudu, Apple, all those places where you can get it. And it's not on Blu-ray yet, but I'm assuming there'll be a Blu-ray release in the future. It's PG-13, 
It's from our friends at Paramount, who sent us a screener copy for review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis. Uh, suppose apocalyptic story. Something's gone very, very wrong, and there are giant creatures on the earth trying to eat everyone. We're in the future, and a boy loves a girl. So, therefore, love and monsters. Ta-da. All right. Ta-da. I'll give you the actual uh, synopsis from Paramount themselves. It says In a monster infested world, Joel learns his girlfriend is just 80 miles away to make the dangerous journey. Joel discovers his inner hero to be with the girl of his dreams. Inner hero, my ass. We'll get on to that. All right, so uh, Love and Monsters, it's a new movie. It's out today. There will be spoilers if you listen to this review. So hopefully you will go off, watch this movie. Because we do recommend you watch this movie right up front, right? We do? I do. My, <laughs> if our brain was joined together, I would add you into that. If like no one knows, we're married to each other, and for some reason, he thinks that means our brains are connected to each other. And they are. <laughs> um, well, I believe, looking at you watching this movie, that you had some... Uh, I had a good time. Joy. I liked it. It was fun. It was very fun. So we would recommend you go watch it. So go watch it, come back, and then we'll talk to you about it. So Love and Monsters, what do you think? It was really fun. Really, really fun. I had a good time. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm... Um, I understand the concept of anti-hero, anti-hero, was yeah. developed a long time ago. The anti-hero used to be, you have a guy who's going to end up saving the day, choosing a good moral choice, whatever that is in the moment, and yet he's done horrible, wretched things. He's not a good person. He's rough around the edges. He's probably done something worse than now he has to... Move on to defeat someone else who's done something similar, right? That's the anti-hero. The guy we don't expect to be the hero because he's bad. Now the anti-hero is this wibbly-wobbly, wishy-washy little nothing who then barely, barely grabs onto a little tiny bit of something to become the hero. And I put that in quotation marks, very limp quotation marks, because... I'm not a fan of this wishy-washy character person to begin with, although I like him. I just don't like this soft, like, everyone in the group's basically saying to him, oh, you're nothing, you can't do this, you're fighting, you're too afraid. Hey, hold up, he can make soup. He can make soup. So he is something. Right, but I can't, I'm trying to overcome it. Gordon Ramsay can make soup and everybody thinks he's good. (laughs) Not everybody thinks that. (laughs) How did Gordon Ramsay make it into this conversation? I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not a fan of the quick rise of somebody who's completely inept, completely, to being able to almost barely not even save the day. Let's be very honest. This isn't like a dun-da-da-da moment. And yes, I'm talking about movie and story tropes where you go on a long journey with someone who has their big arc and they go from, you know, this to that and you feel satisfied. I'm not satisfied that this person becomes the person that he is. So. I mean, this guy has a journey. From, I mean, he has a little well, bit of a, a journey. it's a literal journey this entire movie, but he yeah. does have a journey as a character too. A little tiny bit. Right. He's, it's not like he actually, like, I don't know. It's just, you're starting with this wishy-washy, afraid of everything, 
not necessarily a lack of confidence person. Like if 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 that was the character, then I'm I'm on board. But it's more like this vapid, flaccid. <laughs> Ew. Well, I'm just yeah. I'm afraid, and <laughs> and now I'm the hero. Like I just don't. I'm not into it. But this, by the end, I liked him more. Right. Than I did in the beginning. Now this movie's um, it's really it's. Tongue-in-cheek kind of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. It's not super serious. It's it's more true. It's not a horror film. In, in fact, there, there are giant monsters that he fights and stuff. But it's it's got more of. I mean, I was going to compare it to Evil Dead. You know, like how Evil Dead has that kind of comedy thing, mm-hmm. but it's also like a action horror movie at the same time. So is this, but without the gore. So it does have a, like a cheeky persona to the whole thing. Even his he has a voiceover over the top of the movie. Which um, it's right established right up front that this is kind of silly a little bit, mm-hmm. but the world itself, I I took it quite you know it was quite seriously done. Like the monsters were cool. It looked. I don't know if I felt the danger all the time, but the monsters were cool whenever they appeared. They were quite sparing with the monsters, which I kind of liked about it because you know. You do get to see enough of the world. They do these pan-out shots where you're like, oh, that mountain's actually like a nest for a monster, or there's like a giant thing, a big monster. Well, let's tell what's happened. What's happened is there was an asteroid, we shot rockets at it, the rocket fuel came back down, the rocket fuel then turned all creepy crawlies into gigantic, like Godzilla epic proportions of things, like a crab that's as big as a building. Right? Yeah. A centipede that's as long as a ship. You know, so that's where we're going with this. All the creatures of the world, including the ants and the maggots and the leeches, everybody's gigantic and has basically made the earth more of their own landscape. Which is a really fun concept right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I like that kind of stuff. I, like, I do too. You know, and this is, it's economical with it because it's obviously not like a 200 billion dollar movie it's more of a smaller movie but i feel like when they do the monster effects it's good it's not i I wasn't like oh it looks like shit i was like no there was a time there were a few times let's be very honest they were kind of like um what it reminded me of a lot was the monsters from men in black you know how they kind of cartoonish but you buy them but they kind of like yeah, they're a bit... Yeah, I get like, what you're saying. Like slapsticky or cartoonish. Uh, yeah, all the ones in this are. Apart from the snails were really cool. The, like snails with like a big like mound of dirt on the back. They were cool. I thought they looked really realistic. Well, it was a boulder. Because they called them boulder. They were boulder. just dragging them around. Like I think they're living... I don't know. Maybe there's such a thing as a rock snail yeah. in the world. I thought the crab at the end was really... a good creature design it looked good like it had this guy had like kind of rigged it up with these electric shockers so he could control it and it had this cool it just looked really good i thought so the special effects are better than i was expecting because at first right at the beginning where they made it clear oh look the world's gonna end and then he did a couple of flashbacks to show you the day that it all happened and it was very sparing with you seeing anything you just kind of saw like a car get crushed you saw a foot. <laughs> yeah. But it was sparing. It was like, and I was like, oh, this is the kind of movie this is going to be. We're never going to see anything. 
we're just going to hint at stuff. But I was pretty satisfied that they didn't hint at stuff. And along the way, there's enough of these monsters for it to feel satisfying, and he fights them. So I like the monsters. I particularly liked how the monsters sound, I said to you. The the audio of this movie is really good. Like, they, they sound really big. Like, it sounds like something True. is, like, you know, it's it's a quiet passage in the movie where people are talking, and all of a sudden you hear, like, this, oh, there's a giant thing over there. Like, it feels like something big is coming. So I really like that. The comedy, I said to you, um, it's very similar to something like Zombieland as well, right? Definitely. Maybe not as... I mean, Zombieland's kind of crass sometimes. This isn't. I reckon you could let your kids see this, right? Um, it's pretty gory. But, I mean, I would. I but... mean, it's not really gory, though. It's not blood. It's like slime and stuff. True. It's not like, you know, like I mentioned Evil Dead earlier. It's not like that. It's like whenever, even when he shotguns a... Th- well, like shoots a thing close up, throws a grenade in it. It blows up, but it's just a load of slime all over the place. No, there's chunks and blood everywhere, and there was blood gushing out of it. Did you not see that part? Well, I guess it, I guess it didn't look very, like alarming to me. Mm. Maybe I've seen too much of that stuff. But um, it as a journey, it's like a. It turns into like a road movie. Did you explain why he um decides to? Well, he loves a girl. Yes, go find a girl. See, there's colonies of people in things like silos and undergrounds and tunnels and all that shit. That's where everybody's... Oh, it killed 95%. Now that was a 2% from the leftovers, because that was just baby talk right there. So we're talking 95% of humans have died, and so they're living in all kinds of underground places. And uh, he knows that the young lady that he loved when he was a teenager is 85 miles away and decides to go on a journey there. And I've established that he cannot take care of himself. He is totally afraid of everything. He has issues. And so... He has freezing issues. Freezing issues, precisely. Yeah. Yeah, so like they established right at the very beginning when their underground base is getting attacked that he's not really the best person to stick at the front of the pack. Nobody there has got any, what, like, faith in him to do anything? Exactly. They love him, but he is... Uh, kind of useless. useless. Yeah, yeah, but the, I, I was thinking, when he they said, well, you know, he can cook, and he, what else could he do apart from cook? There was another thing. Fix the radio. Fix the radio. Well, I was thinking, they, they are dissing that as though that's nothing. But when he's gone and nobody else can do that. Yeah, exactly. Those are pretty important things, right? Those two things. (laughs) So never underestimate people. Never underestimate the IT guy. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. (laughs) Because you know what? When your computer breaks down, you're (laughs) fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, technology doesn't play a huge role in this future movie. True. Future post-apocalyptic thing. Um, We've got, but we do have one leap where there are actual androids. Yes. Like mechanical, they sort of look like what the 1950s mechanical robots looked like in 1950s sci-fi movies. Yeah, exactly. They're a bit like iRobot, but more retro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're kind of made, like in this version of the world. I don't know what year this was supposed to be. It didn't really say, I don't think. No, so... I mean, it looks doesn't look like far-flung future, though. We were just maybe just a little bit on from us. 
I mean, far enough to have developed a robot that a can robot talk. That can, yeah, yeah. It's you know now we have robot vacuum cleaners. We've basically got robot like helpers around the house, like that kind yeah, of like, thing. Like a robot. Yeah, like but a word in a body. Yeah, but not like humans. That show that we watched. Not like they don't. No, they're not realistic. They're just. It's literally like a car headlight, old-fashioned headlight from like a 1930s vehicle. On, as the head with a funny kind of weird uh, monitor on the front of its face that makes noises whenever it changes what it's doing. Like, and I knew like one- a, it sounded like a, col- uh, what's it called when you did the slide? You do the slide. You, it's a kid thing. You put oh, the slide you mean in the it. Viewmaster. Viewmaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yeah, it did. And it even showed him some pictures on its face. Yes. But at the beginning of the movie, when he mentions that, oh, over there is a broken one of those robots that mm-hmm. we have never seen one running. Like, because they obviously, they used batteries and we've no bad battery power anymore. I, I was like, oh, that's telegraphing. We're going to see one later. And guess what? We do. So um, how did you like the, do you like the whole vibe of it? Yes, I think it was really cute, and um, it does. It commits to being what it is. It's not middle. It's not like oh, we're gonna go super serious here. It's like as as well balanced as Zombieland, because yeah. Zombieland is yes, the world is dying, people are dying, and the pe- the characters in the show in the show in the movie even say to other characters, "Well, we've all got bad stories. Basically, get over it, because yeah. now we're getting on with the comedy and with the adventure." And with our little tale of whatever we're telling. And this movie, And that's what it does. It commits to like, we get it. It's terrible. Everybody's almost dead. This is awful. However, we've got a cute little love story. Well, it's not even a love story. It's more like a modern tale of someone figuring out something about themselves. That doesn't sound very committal, but that's what it is. Yeah, you're saying the movie's not very committal in any any respect. No, it's the non-committal as in this story isn't about dun da da hero saves the day and dun da da No, it's a bit more boy and girl find each other dun da da they're going to live happily ever after. It's more like it's committing less to that and more to an overall idea of basically we can all get through this together. And and I'm glad about that it took a... I was expecting it to be just what you just said. Uh, Yeah, me too. But then it takes like... It's just slightly different than that. And I liked that because, you know, it didn't... It doesn't tie everything in. It could have tied everything in a rosy, nice bow, right? But it doesn't really do that. But then it doesn't also commit to being like, you know, the world is doomed. True. Because it tries to be positive at the end, doesn't it? But as you said, what he does at the end, it could go either way. Yep. And he's not really, yeah, he's not really the one you're cheering for, which I don't, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just getting used to it. Right. Let's just say that. So um, overall, cool, like family. Well, I don't know if it's family. That's the thing I'm wary on. Because it's not a Disney movie. You can't, it's not like Frozen. You can all sit around and have have a laugh and it's fun. <laughs> no. Because well, it, I mean, it's dealing with a grim topic. And there, like you say, there, I, I didn't think it was that gory, but there again, I'd seen like the worst things ever. So I don't know. You could sit with teenagers for sure and I'll watch it. It's not offensive, right? 
No, there's nothing, there's no overt sexuality or, like, um, exploitation was there? Am I not aware of it? It doesn't seem like it's really no, nothing heavily, like you know, obnoxious in any direction except for that wig on that guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That I'm offended by. Don't put wigs on people in movies anymore. If any, if even one person can spot it on the crew, even if it's like the guy over there who's like fixing the leg on the table that broke three weeks ago, and he looks up and says, "Dude, that wig looks like shit." Just listen to him. Yeah, <laughs> listen to him. It's kind of weird. Um, wigs. Uh, we we're watching the new Walking Dead show at the moment, and there's a girl who yeah. we think is wearing a wig, right? I mean, I can't imagine that it isn't, but, you I know. mean, my first thought was, this girl's going to be the tough skinhead girl at some point because they've put a shitty wig on her. She's going to shave her head. So she's obviously yeah. shaved head girl to start with, like. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if she is, but it definitely, her hair looks weird. So people who make wigs for movies, like you said, the guy in this movie has a terrible wig. The Yeah. The main guy, you know, not the main guy, but the guy at the end of the movie. Um, and I'm looking at him in re- in normal, regular, he's just got regular hair. Yeah, you could have that regular hair in a post-apocalyptic scenario, <laughs> for sure. Let, I don't let's know why compare needed... this to, like, British actors having American accents all of a sudden. Yes. Like, they could have a British accent, but nobody wants Correct. That or something. Correct. This know. person could have their own hair, unless specifically <laughs> in the story... Um, Somebody early in the story says, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if some blonde Aussie uh, pirate came and, you know, tried to destroy us or whatever. And then, ba-boom, you've got a blonde Aussie guy showing up. Hmm. Then I would think, oh, there's the joke, right? It's like he's got bad blonde hair representing... He's a bogan. Aussie hair. (laughs) We don't say that. We don't know (laughs) if we say that. We're not Australian, but we assume that's not good. We know the Australian culture. (laughs) What? From... TV. We know we know about from watching from Gogglebox and Big Brother and MasterChef. I, I don't also, think that's a claim to any sort of cultural education. I also watched many years of Neighbors when I was growing up. The uh, oh, that well, that de- the that's soap it, opera that definitely teaches you the cultural. I learned yes. that they say put a snag on the Barbie. Where, are we offending all the Australian people? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. <laughs> if don't you're Australian know. and you listen. I deeply apologize for making fun of you. <laughs> but you can make fun of me if you like. All right. Oh, you think Australian people don't make fun of British people? Probably. We've I all think got... we've seen that as well. Hold on. We've all got bad teeth. Is that right? <laughs> That's what seems to be the joke. <laughs> what else have we got? Bad teeth. Boring drink, food. Drink a load of tea. We've got... Yep. Kind of awkward and very like, you know, everybody talks like this and everybody's very, very poor. We're all Stephen Fry. Hmm. You wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's go on to the cast. Dylan O. Johnson plays Joel, our hero, or anti-hero, or what is he? He's a hero. He's go like on. the main guy. I mean, that's really all you can say about him. Yeah, and Joel is um, uh, played by Dylan O'Brien. And if you watch The Maze Runner, um, I never got around to watching The Maze Runner, even though there's three of those movies. They came out around the time when the Hunger Games came out. They're, they're a post-apocalyptic teens in trouble kind of. Have you heard of this Maze Runner movie? No. It's like a game show in the future where they're all stuck in a thing. Like Cube, but maybe less okay. dangerous. Because less interesting. Yeah. Um, but this guy, I liked him in this. I think he's pretty charming. Mm-hmm. And a good 
Um, I mean, I don't like the writing. Uh, um, He wasn't annoying. But the, like, flappy, half-flaccid, blah, blah, blah. Oh, like... You mean, like, the mopey teenager kind of... He's not a teenager anymore. But it's a... Supposed to be. No, he was Is 17 it? when it happened. 16 when it happened. This was 17, seven years later. Oh, so yeah, now that's he's true. 20, however old that is. <laughs> All right. 23 years old. Do the math and show show how you got it to it. 23. How, how I got to it? Yeah, I can't show my math. You show your work. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this was always an argument I made with the teachers. No, no, no. If I can figure it out, don't ask me how I did it. Okay. This is why I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> You <laughs> fail with an F grade. You couldn't have read it anyway. I can't. You can't read my writing. You can't read my math writing. That's well. For you sure. failed already for not showing your work. I did, but with this guy, back to the movie thing. Um, this the, I'm not a fan, and it's maybe my age. I'm not going to blame generational differences here, but I don't find the like. A thing happens, and the guy, the person, could be anybody, goes, oh, huh, oh. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. That comedy? I'm not into it. You mean... Are you visualizing it? <laughs> like, there's a horrible, wretched monster that you just killed, and then goop falls on your face, and you're like, oh, well, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> that. So you're talking like um, Nick Frost in Shaun of the Dead. Isn't he already a zombie? No. Is his friend. I know, but he is. Yeah, well, I mean, spoilers. He becomes a zombie at some point. <laughs> it's 20 point. years old. <laughs> but. Shaun of the Dead. What I'm saying is, time. he's kind of sidekickish and he's kind of like, meh. He's got nothing to. You meh. Know. It's a very good way yeah. to say it. Yes. yes. And it, again, it could just be me being snobby. That's fair. Um, I just have to get used to it. I wasn't a fan of the comedy of the characters in Friends either. So I don't know, you know, like the. Kind of dumb acting. In what? Friends. That generation of, you know, stumbling into a joke, stumbling into like, oh, 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 (laughs) I'm funny and charming, right? (laughs) That thing. Elmer Fudd? Yes. That was Elmer Fudd. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just, that's not my thing, but um, I'm working, working on it. But you like this guy. Yeah, I like him. I think he did a good job. And uh, Jessica Henwick plays Amy. And what do we know her as most? The young woman in that show. Colleen Wong. Colleen, Colleen yes. From uh, Iron, Fist. Iron Fist. Yeah, she was excellent in Iron Fist. One of the best things She about. really was, yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing. Um, I haven't seen her in anything else, just this. Uh, we saw her in one other thing one time. But oh, as she was in Game of Thrones, according to her IMDb page. Peripheral character of some kind, I think. Do you remember her in Game of Thrones? I don't. Uh, let me tell you what her name was, because you're the you're the leading expert on Game of Thrones, right? Uh, no. Colleen Wing, not Wong. Uh, in Game of Thrones, she was one of the Sand Sisters, Namira Sand. You know those three Sand Sisters? No. Yeah, they they were the ones who did the poison kiss. Those type, those ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep, she was got one it. Of those. Which I had no idea because we didn't, we hadn't seen Iron Fist at that Correct. point. Correct. So. I really liked her uh, in this movie. She is not a major part of it, though. She's in the beginning and the end, right? The main adventure doesn't contain her. True. So, um, you know, 
But it's impactful. Yeah. She's good. She's good, yeah. Uh, Mr. Michael Rucker, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer himself. Always. That's always what I think of. Oh, him and and now I think of... Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Walking Dead. Yes. Merle. Merle. Mm -hmm. Then the blue guy. Then Henry. Henry used to be number one on the list because that's the first thing I ever saw him in. That's one of the most effed up movies. Um, Henry is so effed up, right? True. All right, so Michael Rucker plays Clyde. He basically, any other Michael Rucker character you can think of, he's just that, right? He's that, but he's good. Yeah, he's like a good version of Merle. Like he can can take care of himself. Correct. He's trained. Yep. And he gives our hero, in quotation marks, advice that basically keeps him alive, right? Because if he wouldn't have followed his advice, he would have been dead. Agree. So that's what he is. He just comes in and out. See, this was a problem. If I have a problem with this movie, it was just one thing. It felt a bit rushed because they meet. he meets Michael Rucker and the other character, you know, Minnow. And then they form like a bond. And Minnow then is before, a little girl. Yeah, before you know it, they're, they're gone and out of the story completely. True. Like, I, I, it felt too quick to me that I was like, oh, now they're leaving. Like, that's it? Like... They seem like a big part, but then they're gone. You know, like in Zombieland where he meets Tallahassee and you're like, if Tallahassee disappeared after 10 minutes, you'd be like, "What? Did, what why did Woody Harrelson leave? You'd be like, huh? So if I had a complaint, it was just that. It felt a bit too brief, that friendship they have. Even though I think it was longer than we saw, wasn't it? Because they were with each other for... They did like a kind of a montage bit where they're talking about how he hates... When they're not allowed to sleep after they've eaten, and he shows a couple of times that that happened, right? About six, yeah. Yeah, so they were they were together a little while, but we only see like an abbreviated version of it. Uh, what did you think of Rucker? Like him? Yeah, I mean he's that guy. He knows everything. He survived it all. Yeah, he's not overbearing. You didn't feel like he was going to turn into the bad guy or anything. He so. understands the land and the monsters. Yeah. and he was with a character called Minnow, played by Ariana Greenblatt, and she's a, like a 12-year-old hmm. who's got sassy attitude. Sassy attitude. And she's also good with a bow and arrow, because she's been with this guy. And they've all had stories, people have died. Exactly. He's sympathetic to a degree, but then he's also like, well, also you could die, so good yeah. luck. And then this bad guy with the terrible wig, I just wanted to put him down, he's <laughs> called Cap. He's like Captain Australia, basically. And he's played by Dan Ewing. And he's really kind of over the top, right? The second you see him. He's over the top and ineffective at the same time. I mean, I understand it because it's kind of cartoonish anyway, that villain and everything. And the woman with the cannon on her arm and stuff. Mm -hmm. It gets all a bit silly towards the end there. And I understand what they were going for, like comic booky characters that you can just get rid of and nobody cares. But um, he just felt a bit like... Like over the top was? I don't know. It didn't feel a bit right. And it wasn't just the wig, even though the wig was terrible. But the second he stepped on the screen, and you even said it, and I'd already figured it out. Oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Because he just seems like a bad guy. He's too good. Like exactly. Like he seems too perfect. So he he's kind of stands out as a bad point to the movie for me. I agree. It's directed by Michael Matthews, who directed a movie called Five Fingers for Marseille, which I do not know... And I've not seen. That's the only other movie he's directed. But I think 
I don't know what the budget was on this movie. I couldn't even find the budget looking on Wikipedia and everywhere. There was no information about it. But I feel like they got everything up there on the screen. Like, it looks good. There's a lot of special effects. There's a lot of big, like a big sequences. Like when they fight in that um, crab on the beach. It's a giant action sequence. Like, and it's in pure daylight. You can see every single thing. And it doesn't True. look pokey for some reason. I mean, I mean, it looks a little shitty near the end on the boat part, but you know. Yeah, maybe. But when it's actually on the beach and they're all fighting it close up, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's like anything I'm seeing on other stuff, you know. And they didn't try and hide stuff in the dark on this movie. Which True. Is our... I, I was reading or uh, listening to a review this week of another movie. And there was a guy who said he loves this movie. And I can't remember what the movie was. It was a horror movie. Because the cameraman um, and the s- cinematographer... They let the movie be completely black at times. Like when you go in a creepy haunted house, you wouldn't be able to see anything. And it's better to not be able to see it all at all, to see anything. It's just like a black frame. I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's a trend. They're all sheep. He was like, "Um, yeah, but you can just hear the creaks and you can't see anything. And in real life, nothing would be lit properly. So you wouldn't be able to see it. And I'm like, I understand that, but we're watching a movie. We're not here to listen to. It's not an audio book <laughs> or a documentary. Or <laughs> I'm not. I've, I, if I want to live that, I'll live it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got to see it. Like The Walking Dead is uh, is what's it called, isn't it? It's, even like recently, the the finale, it had scenes that you couldn't see anything because they think, hey, we've got to be realistic. When it's dark, it's really dark, and then you don't see it. But you're like. Aren't we here to see the zombies, not just look at nothing? Yeah, I think it's just a pretentious um, trend, and hopefully it will pass. Eventually, all movies will be shot in the complete black, <laughs> and it'll just be a black screen for 120 minutes with audio. And then some rogue person, some <laughs> genius, trendy MO mofo will be like, hey, I'm going to shine a light on my lead character. And everybody will be like, oh, lighting all the stuff, that'd be great. Genius. Nothing wrong with this movie visually, though. You can see everything. True. Uh, there is I mean, no... some of the special effects are dodgy. Don't big it up like it's all perfect. I thought for what this movie is, they looked very good. They could have been way worse. Well, that's not exactly like high praise. This could have been so much shittier. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, I've seen like B movie. Like this is, it could be a B movie. Like it feels B movie ish the way it's designed. And we've seen stuff like that. Like, you saw that movie Monsters, remember Right, that but to say that it could have been so much worse is not a way to measure it. Well. It is what it is, and it's not great sometimes, and sometimes it's fine. All right, so I'm going to look at the IMDb reviews, and then I, I said, like, let's show you the one-star reviews, people who hate this movie. Yes, please. Remember that this only came out today anyway. Okay. Um, so there are no one-star reviews. <laughs> there are reviews. There are... 23 reviews so far. So we'll have to go for two star. Oh, there are no two star. This is good, right? There are no three star. There are no four star. There is one five star review. I guess that's the one. A five star review. That's the lowest rating, five stars. And this person says, this is a guy on IMDb who give this five stars. He says... It looks great, lovely effects, but it's not scary or particularly thrilling. It feels safe, there's no threat, and it's overly long. 
If you're 8 to 11 years old, enjoy. Having said that, if you want a film to watch with your young niece and nephew, it will work well. I like many of these children's films, but I did not find it here. Not sure what was missing. It's not a children's film, first off. It's not a children's film. No, it's, it's definitely not aimed at children. Maybe teenagers, but not children. Uh, so that guy? Yeah. All right, no, this guy, Listen I'll give you. you one more. This is a six-star review, which is actually getting into they really like this movie territory, right? This guy says, It's a very easy film to dissect and ridicule, but its heart is in the right place, and its ecological message among the mucous membranes and slime. If you're happy to paddle in the shadows, toss a very endearing dog, a crab stick, and be reminded there's no courage, in which case you'll have problems. Yeah, there is no courage is one of those things. That also makes no sense. But I've been brainwashed to think that courage is one thing when we're just taking a different turn on it, right? Yeah. In culture, so... If you uh, like dogs, there's also a nice dog character in this movie. There is. He was all right. He's a cool little dog, yeah. I'm not a dog person, but I feel like it was a bit forced. Right. Like, hey, everybody's loving dogs. Let's put a dog in there. But he was a nice dog. He was. He um, behaved well. I didn't ever see him do a shit or anything, make a mess. Which a clean, cleanly dog <laughs> that never shits. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's the stuff for uh, Love and Monsters. There were obviously no extras because we watched the video-on-demand version. Maybe there will be when the Blu-ray comes out. So conclusion, I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Nice. It was really fun. I think seven's fair because uh, it's just above, but it's not got that like that thing that'll make it super memorable, like Zombieland. That's always going to stand out. I will say one thing. It's like... It breezes by and I was never bored by it. So that means to me I, I enjoyed it, you know? Yes. Like yeah, like I was like, oh, is that it? Like, And it, was, it wasn't short, but it was over before I knew it. I was like, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that's uh, Love and Monsters. And uh, you can go and watch it now, which is awesome. Where can we go? Voodoo, Apple TV, Roku, any of those places, you'll find it. Just type... Or say, Love and Monsters, you'll find it. Okay. Um, that's how you find it, that's how you watch it. Or you go to the drive through because it is actually in theatres too. Theatres? What are theatres? <laughs> yeah, but it is in the drive through theatres this weekend. It's a whole new world we're living in. Yeah. So um, thank you to Paramount for letting us review the screener and uh, movie recommendations. I'm giving you a couple based on this movie. I'm going to give you Zombieland and its sequel, because I like them both equally. I thought they were really fun, both of them. And another movie which is in the same vein of this, but it's about zombies, it's uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Do you remember that one? Of course, I was just going to say, that one has the same sort of It's pretty much this, memorable zombies. Yeah, I liked it. I think yeah. it was really a funny, kind of cool movie. And it starred the guy from uh, Ready Player One, the main guy. So what is uh, your recommendations? My recommendations are... Now, don't anyone throw stuff at me like your Rotten Tomatoes. Is that really old vaudevillian reference there? I wasn't even around for vaudeville, but don't throw any Rotten Tomatoes at me. When I say World War Z, it wasn't good. It was actually quite crappy. However, what I'm recommending it for is how good it could have been. (laughs) 
I'd have to see it again to to see if it was crappy. It's crappy as in you could feel it was torn apart by bad filmmaking. Yeah, there was some... uh, It was a troubled production. But the concept, I get it. I actually really like it. The special effects didn't look great, unfortunately. But to have a different kind of zombie and a different reason for and a different solution for, I'm all for. I'm a big zombie fan, so... I don't care who's in it, so it's not because it's anybody famous. I just think it's a good idea. I don't know about the book. I haven't read it. But it the potential. So if you watch well, um, it with potential in your brain, maybe it can override the crappiness. Uh, Brad Pitt was always really unhappy with it. And I it was by his it was by his production company. It got messed with, apparently, you know, like it ended up being what he not. I mean, you can blame all the stuff, but I would say it's just you know how we know how people are. Yeah, well, when you what, do things by committee and creativity, it doesn't always work out great. But what is happening is, um, it's kind of Brad Pitt's production company are gonna make another World War Z movie that is more along the lines of what he wanted it to be in the first place. Not right. the same story, but more. You know, good. I was reading something about it the other day that he wasn't happy with that. The studio meddled with it. He wants he wanted something more gritty. They wanted something more blockbustery. And yeah, I think it didn't that's turn out. What, it was neither. So think, that's where it No, fell. it was very similar. Uh, another movie I would compare it to is the Tom Cruise Mummy movie. Yeah. Which um I could see that that was supposed to be something else but then they wanted made it kind of mission impossible with mummies. Yeah, and they let people with low standards um make all the decisions. Yeah. I like people with severe, very committed, sometimes very all the way one direction or another make that decision. Even if it looks like shit. I mean, let's be honest. What was the one that we love? I should know the name of it. You know, with the space bugs. Space bugs. Yeah, the big space bugs and the young people all have to go off to war all the time. You mean Starship Troopers? Yes. That is a great movie. It is great. It commits to exactly what it is. There's no wishy-washy there. It's schlocky and it knows it is. It's schlocky. Sometimes it does look good and sometimes it's you're just in the B-movie territory. But it's crystal clear what it is. World War Z, not so much. So I'm recommending it. Just give another chance. If a new one comes out and it's... We'll give it a chance to. And my other one is called Ravenous, which there are, I think, multiple movies called Ravenous. But this one's a Canadian-French or French-Canadian from 2017, a take on the zombie thing. And uh, it's quite quiet and, you know, it's like a little bit like the one we watched just recently with the, all the women died of a virus and there's just mostly men left. Was that the one with Casey Affleck? I think so, yes. Yeah, Lights of My Life. Yes, it's quiet like that, that. where you're almost like, you know, you're unaware of how desolate the planet is, except that you feel really down the whole time. So it's really, it was really good. I liked it, but it's in French, so you have to read subtitles. There's not a lot of talking, but so Ravenous and World War Z. All right, so uh, Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing some more Star Wars Squadrons. It's really fun. Star Wars, if you don't know about it, Star Wars flight game. You fly an X-Wing or a TIE fighter. and it, it, There's nothing more to it. It's just dogfights in space. It's got Star Wars music. It's all Star Warsy. If you like Star Wars and you've always wanted to fly a TIE fighter, you can. And you can also play it in virtual reality. 
And you can also play it, if you're really fancy, with um, a joystick. You know, those fancy flight sim joysticks. You can use one of those to fly it. So the ultimate thing would be to put the virtual reality on and have the joystick thingy, and you would feel like you're in Star Wars, right? Mm. Um, and the other game I've been playing, this is an interesting game. and Assuming I would want to be in Star Wars. Sidsart will probably be a fan of this game if you tried it. What's that? It's oh, called, you think that, but that's not how my mind works. Yeah. It's called The Solitaire Conspiracy, right? And mm-hmm. it's a new game um, from the guy who made Kevin Was Alone. I, I don't know if it's an indie game. You're probably not familiar. I played it. But The Solitaire Conspiracy is a... If you've ever played Solitaire, it comes with every version of Windows, right? Is that right? Uh, Yeah, but it's not freaking free anymore. You don't have to play it in Windows. You can play it physically on the table with some cards. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same. No, it isn't really, is it? No. It's one of those time-wasted, you know, you you know what it is, but for some reason, every single time, you just want to do it, right? It's like Tetris. Yeah, absolutely. Like Tetris... Even if 30 years passed by and you give me a Tetris game, I'd play it. Like like Pac-Man. Yeah, they're just fun to do. And Solitaire is one of those things. Anyway, what this guy did was he is an indie game, but he took the core game of Solitaire and fancied it up and put a story in there. So you're like this, you're a spy and you're working for this undercover thing. There's a guy who comes on the screen and tells you the story. It's like a, like you're watching a, a guy give you, uh, you know, you got to do this mission. And after each mission, he comes on and gives you a bit more of the story. So you're kind of unweaving this story. But the main actual thrust of the game is you to play solitaire, basically, to uh, uncover this spy situation. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're playing it. You're like, <laughs> I don't understand why I'm doing uncovering all these cards. And now I'm now I've got access to this next part of the story. But I, you know, it's pretty hard to weave solitaire into a story-based game. But anyway, I played the whole thing. It's it's not very long. It's maybe three hours, the whole story part. But when you finish the story, you can play like an endless mode with no, it's got, you know, you can just play it. And there's also another mode where there's a timer and every time you, um, you know, put a card on the middle pile, it gives you some more time. So, like, you've got to see how long you can last. So, like, a timed mode. Um, so those things unlock after you finish the story. But the story was really impressive. It's, like, a really fun, like, little story with solitaire in it. And the solitaire is the solitaire you know. But there are a couple of, like, power-up things that they've added that kind of help you along the way. It's not very difficult, I've played Solitaire, Microsoft Solitaire, like you, and I find that kind of tricky sometimes. I found this a lot easier than Microsoft Solitaire, so there's something. Uh, but it's cool that... I'm only laughing after a lifetime of playing Solitaire that you would find it difficult in any way, shape, or form. I just find sometimes I get stuck and I can't see it. Like, I'm like, I don't know what... But that um, isn't difficult. But this one, I didn't seem to get stuck as much, so it seemed easier. I don't know why it was... I was playing it on normal difficulty. So, um, yeah, it's a solitaire conspiracy. It's on PC. I, th- I don't know if it's on, like, tablets or phones. I think it's just on PC. But it's just a, it's like a cutting-edge 2020 solitaire game. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody take solitaire and try and do something different with it. 
And the other game I've been playing is Mafia. The original Mafia has been remastered into like 2020 looking graphics. So it doesn't look boxy and, uh, well, the main problem with the original Mafia that came out, what, in 2013 is it doesn't really play on today's computers because it was like, you know, it was a Windows 98 game, I guess. So like when you try and play it on Windows 10, it, it like freaks out. It doesn't want to play. So they went back and remastered the whole thing. And uh, it is, you saw it a bit of it, right? little tiny bit. It's fancy looking, right? I mean, it looks like a, a modern game. It looks like... Um, um, I disagree with that, but I mean, you're looking at it through rosy eyes. You think it, it looks like... I mean, it... It, it looks like it looked, but a tiny bit polished up. Yeah, well, not a tiny bit. If I showed you the original, you'd be like, oh, wow, it looked that bad. Cause it, right, but I didn't... if you have to compare it for me, for right. me to notice the difference, then I don't... I don't think that's how it should work. Like, I looked at it, the scenes from far off, like the landscape pictures or the distant pictures of a city street, those looked really good. The people look basically the same, but all smoothed out. Yeah, and they've got like, um, <clears throat> what do you call it? They're they're more high definition when you look at them close. And the vo- there's, they've done motion capture and stuff, which the original game didn't have motion capture. It was just animated. So now they just look more realistic when they're walking and stuff. Um, so now what's happened now then is Mafia Mafia 2 and Mafia 3 are all remastered. So you could actually buy a disc uh, for PlayStation and Xbox with all three games on one disc. If you've never played these games, they're giant open world games with a cool story. And the story spans several decades like because you're following this one guy. So um, I wish I had never played them. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wish sometimes I can flick a switch in my mind and just forget a particular thing. Like, I'd do that for Grand Theft Auto Five. I don't know anything about it. It's like a brand new game, and then I could experience it again, like all new. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that, does it? Hmm, makes you wonder if you'd like a switch like that for your brain for your next wife. For my next wife. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you ever get another wife, you just need to flick a switch so that you have the memory of me, because I was so great. Oh, um, the experience of me was so great that yeah. it will just taint all other wife experiences. <laughs> so I should flick a switch to forget you so I can go on to this other one. Yeah, because they're going to be subpar. Oh. I mean, they'll just never compare. <laughs> I get it. See, the story of me is so great that she might look better. She might be all glossied up. She might be all smoothed over and younger looking with all the filters and shit. But the experience of her and the story of her will just, it will never compare. I get it. <laughs> Do, how, you? Um, Do you know? How, uh, yeah, how great. <laughs> uh, so what is for dinner? Nothing, because it says nothing on this list. Oh, I didn't put it. What do, what do, you, what, what, nothing. What do you What do you want? Nothing. Oh, okay. No. I know what you want. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. Yes. Oh, wait. It's the impossible Whopper from the Burgers King. <laughs> the Burgers King. We do not get sponsored by them at all, but it's just our weekend meal deal that we do. I don't know how to describe it. Fast food takeout. Yeah. And this week we've had a lot of HelloFresh cooking at home. We're so not sponsored. We're not sponsored by any of these people. If any of you are listening and you'd like me to talk positively about HelloFresh or Purple, purple Carrot, please let us know. Yeah, I am. HelloFresh is really good. 
Every single thing. I made two of them this week. You made one. All three were excellent, right? All Very three. good. I love the couscous one. I love I love them. They're good. They're just good. I love them. I love them. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> so what is um, your advice? And let's get out of it. My advice is going to be controversial, but it's just a question. Okay? So you're, people are going to answer it with all kinds of stuff. With religions and philosophies and ideologies and... Or not at all. They're just going to think it's a dumb question. But as I look at the world and people and my life, your life, my friends' lives, and all the things we dump on each other about judging like, oh, well, you know, some people look at people with a lot of children and say, oh, well, you didn't make anything of your life. You just had a bunch of children and what's... (laughs) That's nothing. And someone who has a bunch of children looks at someone who maybe has become an engineer who built a bridge and they're like, so you built a bridge, big deal. I raised a bunch of wonderful human beings and, you know, populate the world. And it's a very satisfying experience. So everyone judges each other on the meaning and the value and the purposes we kind of come to in our own life. So some of that is the progress humans can make, right? The engineering, the curing diseases, the building better buildings, the making better food, all of that has to, that's progress that requires time and energy and effort and brain power and education and science and all that. Does that give more meaning to our lives or does it just make us live longer and better? So like, can human life have like a meaning, individual meaning in your life and all this progress at the same time? I mean... Some of you are going to roll their eyes and go, oh, duh, of course, but... Duh. Duh. (laughs) If you took away all the technology and you took away all the things we've built and made and just peel it back down to surviving and living and, you know, living in our groups and having food and trying to save each other from terrible fates or cure diseases as best we can, does that life have less or more meaning than the life where you have all the possibilities of, you know, a better house and a vehicle and a computer and the internet in your hand and you can go to a hospital and get cured. Like, does that add meaning or just time and quality, right? It makes your life better, of course, if you can cure diseases and eat better and people cannot live in abject poverty. I'm just saying that on some level, you know, where does the meaning part fall in there? Yeah. All right. I'm answering no questions. I'm giving no judgment on my own life even, nor on yours. Just a question. Nice work. Good. Well done. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks so much. Uh, we have a website, ascully.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. This podcast on the Google Play, the iTunes, the Spotify, the TuneIn, the uh, Ask Your Smart Device to listen to After the Show Movie podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. Did I say we're also on Spotify? We're also on Spotify. (laughs) And uh, email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyacom Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want any of your nonsense. Not true. But yeah, you may not get a response. That would be the... And finally, stay classy, Miss uh, Colleen Wing from Iron Fist. Can we have Iron Fist back, please? Yeah, Iron Fist was all right. Yeah, all of those Netflix uh, Marvel shows that Netflix just decided to ditch. And I am going to say 
think for yourself or someone will do it for you.